Hello listeners, this is Lee Price. This is Will Ford from Football365. And you're listening, smartly, to At, At The, the Bridge, Bridge Pod, Pod, a Chelsea, Chelsea FC podcast. podcast, although I would describe it as THE Chelsea FC Podcast. from Eden Hazard, Kai Havertz in the Champions League final, Ivanovic! In the middle, it's just behind him, but it's by Hakim Ziyech. Matic with the ball driver! It's time for another episode of At The Bridge Pod, your number one Chelsea FC podcast. Coming up on this episode... Manchester United goalkeeper Andre Onana dropped his car keys this week and the Daily Mail thought we're going to write a story on that. Welcome back everyone to another episode of At The Bridge Pod. I'm joined in the virtual room filled with lions. I've got Ollie, I've got Beth and I've got a full house. I've got Chris. Uh, It's been a quiet week at Cobham. Not a Champions League or Europa League anthem was played at our ground. Maybe in a few years' time. Maybe. Uh, But, hey, what are you guys most looking forward to this weekend? I'm visiting family this weekend. So uh, I've been uh, travelling on the rail service in the UK today. uh, And what I'm really looking forward to this weekend is not doing that again until Monday. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Nice. Fair play. Fair play. You know what? I'm... um... I'm exactly the opposite to Ali. I've actually got a chilled weekend, and I think that's oh, nice. the first weekend in about six or seven weeks so I've just been able to do nothing. So quite looking forward to just being able to just chill and sit down and just relax for a bit. Come on, so, Chris. Come on, Chris. What have you got? Uh, I've got my niece's christening on Sunday. Nice. Um, which means I reckon I'm going to miss most of the Chelsea game, so that's a blessing. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually a really um, good pun as well chris you've done well there that's yeah really i know right thanks, oh, right, thank though. you Beth. you wrote you, you wrote that one beforehand you wanted to get that in didn't you yeah i've got a whole script in front of me to be honest chris is uh, yeah we all know that villain get it <laughs> <laughs> yes ali yes Ali, that's good as well oh man man oh is that it oh fair enough yeah that, that's it that's it that's fair no, um, no, no decorating update chris no, there's a big hold on that because I just haven't got the time. Um, uh, I'll, right. I'll probably be waiting until the next school holiday, to be fair. Oh, yeah. It's on hiatus until further notice, folks. You heard it here first. <laughs> oh, I was yeah. trying to time that sound drop so it sounded like Chris really said that. It didn't work. <laughs> oh, I mean, for me, um, I, I kind of feel it's pumpkin spice season. So I'll be probably heading down to that well-known chain of coffee houses <laughs> and roastery reserves, which was... Found in 1971 for a, a pumpkin spice latte. I do, I do love Seattle. We all know the it's the birthplace of grunge, coffee, the Seahawks, and 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 that the people of Seattle buy more sunglasses than any other city in the world. And if you don't, are you believe... sharing? A, are you sharing the screen, Mikey? Because we can't hear the sound drops. Oh, I've screwed it up already. But uh, if you don't, <laughs> if, but you all missed an interesting fact there, where I said that Seattle, the people of Seattle, buy more sunglasses than any other city in the world. Do a Google That's search a really just to good prove fact. it. That, that's Thank a great you. fact, and I am I am all here for a useless fact on this podcast. Can we make it a thing where each week we will have to bring a useless fact? And say, yeah, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that, okay. That is a weird one, though, isn't it? Because like Seattle, there are sunnier places in the world than Seattle. There'll be places where sunglasses would be more useful. Yeah, I'll, I'll, we'll, do it, maybe, we'll do it. We'll do it. Maybe just to chime in on the sunglasses debate maybe they're not used to sun as much as other places so maybe they need the sunglasses because they're not their eyes aren't used to it it's a good call Berth. yeah we'll, we'll do it yeah. we'll do a good sound show. we'll do a sound drop test just just for, you know the listeners will have no idea what's going on but can we all hear this beautiful sound drop bit of noise man you know 
Oh, we can. Yes. Oh, that's what matters. That's what matters. Now, the question is, was it a sound drop or did Chris actually say that? Yeah, I just yeah, said it. Hard to know. That's also another game we could play each week. What? And yeah, we should, yeah, no, it, we should do, uh, is it the Chris soundboard or is it actually Chris? Oh, my word. That's brilliant. I love it. Right, let's hit the news. Oh, let's check out the news that you may have missed in the elevator of Chelsea News. Uh, Lataro Martinez was never discussed at Chelsea during the summer and they are not willing to go for a striker as expensive as him. John Terry is part of a group that are among those exploring the prospect of buying a stake in Chelsea with co-controlling owner Todd Bailey open to investment. Chelsea confirmed defender Alfie Gilchrist has signed a new two-year deal. Chelsea are monitoring Aaron Ramsdale's future. And finally in the news, Inter Miami fans were seen leaving the stadium after Lionel Messi was substituted on the 37th minute due to injury. The warranty on my TV offers more support than those fans did. Come on, can't be leaving in the 37th minute. What are you doing? That's poor, that. It's that traffic. you got to beat the traffic, you see. 37, you're like, oh, yeah, that'll do me. We're Chelsea. We're we're as plastic and tin pot as it gets sometimes, (laughs) but even we wouldn't leave that early. No, it's about you. You leave about forty fourth minute. You know that's usually about the acceptable time. You can get home, watch the second yeah. half at home. At, le- at least stay until half time so you can boo before you leave. Yeah. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Brilliant. Right. Um. I- I've got a little bit of things on Billy Gilmore to touch on, but hey, what what do you want to talk about that's grabbed your attention this week from the news? Got an interesting um, topic. Saw... If anyone wants to hear it, or do you want to go both? Um. You can go, mate. It's fine. No, it's fine. You can go first. All right. Um, so we've got a, a, a thing from Clear Lake's co-founder, Jose Feliciano, who was talking in the media this week. Um, he said something to the effect of, I think what we're trying to do is reduce the salary and essentially the operating expenses of the business by over 80 million per year when talking about Chelsea. Of course, he's referring to like wage reduction and stuff. Hmm. And I get why. But does this not like worry anyone else a little bit? Because like lesser wages generally equates to sort of less success at the very top level. You know, like a lot of the best teams oh, yeah. in the Prem at least have also been the best paid. It's not always the case. There's a little bit of nuance there. But generally speaking, the more you pay, the better you do. So either they know that and they don't care and they're not bothered about the success on the business side of things. They know that and they think they can outdo that trend, which is a worry, or they don't know that. Which for me is a just I don't know. It seemed like a bit of a concerning thing to say. Like if if they're planning on reducing those wages by like eighty million a year or whatever it is, for me yeah. they've got to be replacing them with it's something got, else. Yeah. You know, otherwise otherwise it's just the Glazers' better PR. You it? have to be careful because if you reduce it too mm. much, I mean, yes, you can. You if you're making profit, that's good on their side. Uh, not for the fans, it's not. But. If you are not winning on the pitch, then that's going to affect your value of the club. That's why the Glazers has always been... did say that as well. He said, you know, that was all driven by the the success on the pitch. And I I get it. It's just like, I know I'm just not... Maybe it's because we're so used to having Roman for so long that like Mm. the money side was never really talked about because it was kind of irrelevant. You know, like now it's like Chelsea kind of has to be run like a business because, you know, that, that... what normal clubs do. I mean, yeah, uh, we did offer, I mean, when we, I think it was 300,000 a week to Koulibaly last season. That was a bit, I don't know where that, why that we thought that'd be a good idea. Yeah, it's lessons learned, isn't it? Seriously, from like that time, you know, with like mean, Aubameyang it's, and it's, it's, it's not sure. even a disrespect on his ability as a player because he was one of the best Serie A defenders of the last decade. It's the fact that his age, the length of the deal and the, the wage, you just thought, oh, 
That don't look good. That don't look like it's going to age well. Yeah. And then again, at the time, people were very happy. You know, That's people true. Were saying, I was. The experience oh. <laughs> we need. This is like the Rudiger replacement and all of that. So I don't know. I guess with hindsight, it it, it looks it looks worse than it. Is. I, I mean, I did also say that we will not miss Rudiger because when we signed Kulavali, oh dear, aged very badly. Um, what do we think on this one? Um, <clears throat> it's one of them, really. I, I kind of agree about it that. Under Roman, I don't think there was no real concern there. Almost, whereas mm. this time around, you just sort of were almost skeptical of everything they do. Um, yes. I don't think that helps with what's going on on the pitch, um, which I think is fair to an extent. I do, I do think it's fair because they're they're quite new owners and, and investors to to football. Um, and they're not used to the English Premier League, so I kind of do get it. And there's always going to be question marks there, but it's one of them that they are businessmen that they do know what they're doing. Um, yeah, I get that. And do you know what? The, the incentivized contracts and stuff are good. And like that's kind of the hope, I think, is that like the wage bill kind of goes up as the team succeeds. Mm. And maybe if maybe if that's the plan for the long term, that's great. But if they're just taking the wages out to not replace them, that's poor. Mm. Yeah, great. I get that. Mm. But I feel like that, you know, that. I think we're underwriting them as far as businessmen go and as far as sports models go. I, th- I think they know what they're doing. I think they have the club's best interests at heart and, and they sort of know know what they're doing sort of thing. So I, I think it's one of them. You've got to give them the benefit of the doubt this time around. But obviously, you'll mm-hmm. play it. I could be very wrong on that, but that, that's the way yeah, I we'll, see we'll see, for sure. Like, I mean, it's, it's, you know, like the, the proof will be in the pudding, for sure. I mean, I, yeah. won't, I, I could play the soundtrack, but I'm actually going to ask him. Chris, what do you think? I think with the wage thing, the the main concern is I think reducing the wage bill is fine because mm-hmm. um, we have overpaid some pretty average players. Let's be honest. <laughs> um, but if you're not going to pay big wages, you're probably not going to get the best players, which means that your recruitment has to be really good. You yes. look at Liverpool, for example; they haven't really. I think until Salah, they hadn't really put anyone on a massive contract. But they was only always... after he came in and like, proved himself as well. Exactly. You know, like, we, we seem to sign players on like 250, 300k off the bat. You know? Exactly. Where's the, incentive, and it's like, like, where's the incentive to get better? There isn't one. With Liverpool, like, you know, they got people just before other people would have offered them those wages. You look at Salah from Roma. They got him before anyone else would have gave him those, like any think anywhere near the money he's on now. Van Dijk the same. Your recruitment's got to be really good, and I think, I think that's why we're going for the younger players. I think we're trying to get them. I think the idea is get these players before they're world class, so we can get them on a chip, a slightly cheaper fee. Although we are still paying massive money for people, mm-hmm. and get them on slightly less wages. But that only works if those players actually turn out to be good. And that would be my main concern, that I understand the model. I just don't know whether the infrastructure is there to actually pull it off. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Berth, um, what did you want to touch on? Um, I was going to say that Ivan Tony, uh, that discussion's sort of been brought back around. Um, I just want to know how you boys feel about sort of how have we changed our stance on it? You know, are we in favour of it after a couple of games in? What what are we thinking? Uh, I I look, 
we need a goal scorer, don't we? Mm. And he's, it's a very, very small market. Like I said, it's the whole, you know, shopping on Christmas Eve in the toy section. There's not much choice at the moment and you're going to pay what you need for what's available. And he's the best striker available that's got Premier League experience that we know is available because obviously, you know, if they're not, it's going to drive up that fee even more. Um, Yeah. You know, the thing is that Ivan Taylor that I really like um, is that he's confident. I, I think you need that as a striker. He's mm. very, very yeah, assured exactly. of himself. I, I think even if he was to miss a few chances, you wouldn't um, you wouldn't doubt him still. You, you'd still expect him to score like the next game or you'd still expect him to score a penalty. And and he, he, he backed himself 100%. So I think, I know he's going to have a long layoff, but I, again, mm. and I said it in the summer, I, always, I always still think it'd be a really good bit of business if we can get him in because... You know, Premier League proven. I think he's he's a very good technical footballer. And I, I think I'm not saying Nicholas Jackson's bad. And I, I've, I've still been impressed with him. I know his goal scoring record mm. hasn't been great. He's been a bit rash, but I, I think if we got Tony in, that that's a good. We've got a few good striking options then, and I just think it's um it'd be a really good deal to have. In my and opinion, then he'll put the Chelsea jersey on and never score again. Just don't give him the number nine. Don't give him nineteen <laughs> or something. Just nice. Uh, what 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 do you think, Ollie? Before we go to Billy Gilmore. Um, it's an interesting one with Tony. Like like Berth says, a goal scorer and a, and a proven striker is is a must for any Premier League team who wants to be, you know, like winning game. Um, and we kind of thought that Jackson would be able to do that off the first or few games. He's not really taken his chances, but he still looked really good. I'd be inclined to give him a little bit more chance and time, which we're going to do anyway because the window is not open till January. Um, mm. I think even then, I probably wouldn't go over like 50, 60 million for Tony. I think he's a decent goal scorer, and I think he's like, he's a good option to like provide something a bit different, like a fox in the box kind of player. Um, mm. But like you say, that I think it's either you go for someone like him for 50, 60 million in January or you wait until the summertime if, if you're not happy with Jackson and you, and you have to drop big money on someone like Osman. So I, I do see I do see the logic for sure. I, I'm not as against this move as I once was. I've kind of changed my tune on it a little bit, but I don't know. I, I, that was kind of based on the assumption that Brentford were going to charge the nose like 80 million or whatever for him. So at 50, 60 million, which is what the reported fee is, yeah, I, I think I'd take him. I think for a Premier League proven striker, you can't, it's hard to turn that down. That's fair. Um, right. The Billy Gilmore thing. Right. He was on TalkSport talking to Jim White earlier this week. And I'll quote here. Uh, when I came back from my loan from Norwich, I came back and had preseason and I wasn't in the plans. I ended up leaving pre-season with the first team to go with the reserves so we were in America for the pre-season and then me and two other boys got told there's not going to be really a chance here we're not going to have another opportunity we're going to send you with the reserves I want to be at a club that really appreciates me and I want to be a part of the team I want to play first team football I've had the taste for it I've played for my country I want to try and push on now for me it was the right time to leave I spoke with the manager at the time Thomas Tuckle, and he thought the same I mean He's looking reasonably decent at Brighton at the moment. But, I mean, who's to blame for this departure? And was this made out to be a, a nothing from this interview? I, I don't think Billy Gilmore's to blame. I, I think Billy Gilmore is well within his rights as a... Um, how old was he when he left Chelsea? 19? Well, he was young. I'll, I'll check yeah, just for... Probably about check. 19, I'd have thought. Yeah, I think he was he, about I mean, 19, yeah. Either way, I, I think... If you're Billy Gilmore and you've had a few first team chances in, in at Chelsea and you've played well in them, um, and you've gone to Norwich and you you've not 
had a great spell there, but you go back to Chelsea, fresh start, new manager, because Lampard's gone now. Mm. Um, you want to impress and for sort of Tuchel to just sort of dismiss it very quickly. I, I, I think Billy Gunn was well within his rights. I'm not saying it's fully with Thomas Tuchel, but um, I do think that he, he didn't fancy him from the get-go. Um, so if you're Billy Gilmore, you, you know, I would have done exactly the same thing. I would have gone, you need first-team football at that age. You need regular games to progress as a footballer and as a human being, you need to do that in, in, in a career, any career. Um, so I, I, I think he, he's totally right there, Billy Gilmore. I wouldn't disagree with anything that he said, to be honest. What do you think, Tim? Uh, it's a difficult one and... To be honest with you, I think the person most to blame for Billy Gilmore not working out at Chelsea is the person who sanctioned the loan to Norwich. Oh, that was an awful move. Mm. I just think I just think it was one of them where he'd come into the Chelsea team, he'd played well, got a couple of man of the matches, looked like he was able to sort of hold his own at that level. Mm. If we couldn't have got a decent loan, and it's weird because I, I actually remember recording um this pod at the time when when he was going to Norwich and we all agreed that we wasn't sure it was the right move going to mm-hmm. a team that was clearly going to be in a relegation battle um mm. when you look at some players they are better surrounded by better players and if you look at mm-hmm. Gilmore's game especially at the time sort of that sort of link between defense and a, and midfield he was sort of like Sort of like Jorginho, wasn't he? In, in the way that in the way that he played, he, he liked to get the ball off the back four and progress it up the pitch. Yeah, but he was a little bit more athletic than Jorginho, wasn't yeah. he? And he had a, yeah, I exactly. Say, to a certain degree, he I would say he probably was a less safe player than Jorginho as well. He sort of yeah. try and make he just, a dangerous uh, pass. But to be good, he needed good players around him who was on the same wavelength as him, who would recognise when he could find the pass, who moved well, who understood the game. And I just think he went to Norwich and his career just completely stalled. And then when he come back, you can't really you can't really blame Tuckle for not fancying him based on what he'd done at Norwich or what he hadn't done at Norwich more happily. Mm. Um, so I just think it was, I think his Chelsea career ended when we sanctioned the loan to Norwich. And I just think that's why we have to be so careful with loan moves that you have to understand mm. what sort of player you've, you've got and whether they are better in an environment surrounded by better players and doing sort of what we did with Lewis Hall. Um, mm. and I know he's gone now, but keeping him around the first team. And although he's playing limited minutes, at least when he is playing, it's in an environment where he can actually be good mm. um, rather than just sending him on loan to anyone just to get him up out the club mm. playing football but playing football at a level where he's not going to be any good yeah I mean my my take on Billy Gilmore is that he he's he's evidence that whether you make it at a club or not is is not just down to your ability it's it's I agree. It, victim it com- of circumstance it, it comes down to a bit of luck yeah. you know if the manager rates you well hey you know a manager like Frank Lampard he he loved him and he was starting to sort of rotate uh, Gilmore with Jorginho in the midfield before obviously the pandemic hit, uh, and then Tuchel took over and just just didn't see just didn't see it in him, and he was just shifted out of the way. I mean, it's it's the tale as old as time. You know, look at Juan Mate and and Jose Mourinho, two and a half seasons at the Bridge, but gone because he just didn't fit the style of play, and it's such a shame. Yeah, it's a it is a victim of circumstance. 
for me, it's just uh, what I find most baffling is is the the low low price we sold him for because everyone who watched him play could see that he was clearly quality. You know, mm-hmm. like he was mm-hmm. he was clearly going to eventually at the peak of his career, at the very least, be in a top half Premier League side, right? Yes. You know, like you could tell that from his ability. He's only 18, 19 or whatever when he played the majority of his games that he played for us. So for me, is I think it's it's a slight frustration at Tuchel, but at the same time, Chris is right. You can't necessarily blame him for going, well, you know, like you didn't really do anything much on, on loan, so you, you know, you're not going to be in the plans. You know, when, when we kind of set Gilmore up to fail in that way. So, mm-hmm. you know, it just goes to show that it's also important to really have a manager that in understands the where you are as a club and what needs to happen in terms of like youth integration and stuff. And I don't think Tuchel really was that. He was sort of yeah. win now and he wanted a ready-made squad and that was fine at the time, mm. which is why, and you know, now it, it works better that we've got someone like Pochettino who should and is, you know, considering the youth a bit more. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I was reading an interesting piece this week on The Athletic by the, though I'll give him, I'll give him his flowers, the outstanding Michael Cox. And it was titled, Mauricio Pochettino's Chelsea in crisis, question mark. Uh, they're actually playing quite well. Uh, and that piqued my interest. So that's going to be what we kind of discuss for a bit on our, our main course of podcast goodness that we're we're serving up. Uh, right. Now, Pochettino's Chelsea side have five points after five games. And uh, they're sitting 14th in the league table. They've only won once this season. And even that W came against a Luton Town team that <laughs> they had to earn a single point at home. Or, you know, but hey, Michael Cox is certain that we're playing quite well. And I'm going to break down the why after reading through it. So he feels that Chelsea were the better team against Liverpool in the opener and could have won it in the dying embers of the game. Yeah, I'd agree. Uh, In the defeat to West Ham, he blames our marking at set pieces and failure to take advantage of the extra man after the sending off. And it was just a moment of pure magic from Mikel Antonio that made the difference. The defeat to Forest was sort of a similar story. Chelsea were the better team in his mind, uh, but then obviously standard story for us, failed to convert. Forest had that one chance. They took their chance and boom, they were leaving with the W and, a, and glum faces all around for the Blues. But before I go on, do you agree with any of those points or are they wrong? Um, the Liverpool game I agree with. I don't think Antonio scored a screamer or a stun or whatever it was or a piece of magic, however you described it. I think that's a bit... Far-fetched. It was a good finish, but he got helped along the way. Um, not as far as we, we were shit. We were just rubbish against them. <laughs> and then Bournemouth, I thought it was all right. But again, it's the same old story, isn't it? With Chelsea just, uh, just couldn't do it in the final third. So kind of agree, kind of don't agree. Sort of on the fence a bit, really. Okay. Yeah, I'm 50-50 um, on it as well. You know, like I feel like to a certain degree... We've definitely seen like some half decent performances, and and certainly in the in the underlying statistics and stuff, it shows we we should be right up there. The key the key difference and the for us at the moment is probably the stability at the club and uh, and a proven you know quality consistent goal scorer. Mm. Um, I think if we have both of those things, we're we're laughing and we're flying. But at the same time, football's a fickle game and it's a results based business. So can you really say we have been playing well? Maybe the underlying statistics and things like that look at look like that. And Pochettino said the same that it's hard to swallow because he thinks we've been playing pretty well despite not getting gathering that many points. But at the end of the day, the points and the goals have to come from somewhere. You know, you can't you can't just pass the ball around for ninety minutes, look pretty, and then lose one nil. You know, it, it doesn't work that way. We're good at that. We're really good at that. <laughs> um, Chris, what do you think? Uh, I agree about Liverpool. I was actually quite pleased after the Liverpool game. Um, I thought. There was something to build on there. Um, mm-hmm. 
we haven't seen it since, in, in my opinion. Yeah. I, I don't agree with the West Ham one at all. I, I thought that were that the West Ham game was, you could see it a mile off. You could see what was coming a mile off. Um, for that at, game at one, is such one, a good example though of like the momentum shift with Enzo missing his penalty and stuff. Mm, it's so frustrating. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I thought second half in that game we didn't do anywhere near enough to win the game. Uh, mm. and we always looked susceptible to a counter attack. Uh, and then Forest. I I don't think was good against Forest at all. I I, I think people. I think people are saying that we could we should have beat Forest because they're only remembering remembering the the Jackson chance at the end. But that would have I only been to got a point, which still would have been a shit result. <laughs> and two, I don't remember another chance in that game. That yeah, is the I... only chance we had in that game. So it's not like we had loads of chances, conceded a shit goal, then had some more chances, and then Jackson missed a really good one, Didn't which would have got us a point. I can't remember. Uh, we definitely hit the post post Bournemouth. I remember Jackson at the post. I don't. I, I don't remember against Forest. I All remember I remember is hit... Jackson missing that chance, but that I was the that... only time. Specifically, I think Bournemouth is it was an unlucky was to be honest because but we all we all knew you know like Bournemouth are a, a difficult team for us to play against for whatever reason but yeah you know like Sterling's um, free kick hit the bar and Colwell's turn in was was offside and then mm-hmm. Jackson hit the post as well like, I feel like that game more than any was, was one that we deserved to win and didn't. I, I mean, I, I, and I yeah. think that really does kind of shift the opinion because then you go, well, you know, how many games have we got and only this many points for the rest mm. of it. I think if we beat Bournemouth, if people aren't talking about Chelsea and prices. No, I mean, you touched on Raheem Stern there and that, that too, Michael Cox singles out as the main man in, in the positive spotlight, you know, developing a good a good partnership with Malo Gusto and Nicholas Jackson. So, so that's a sort of a trio he feels that are ones to watch going forward. And it seems to him that the problem does not lie with the link-ups, but that individual players have just simply not settled yet after their transfer moves to the bridge. Which, when you think about that, I mean, look who we have signed in just such a short period of time. Our clubs have been... It's been a bit like the top 40 music charts. Every single week, we see a brand new name there. We have no bloody clue who they are or if they're any good. You know, yeah, I mean, here's why, here's why I don't buy that. Born, uh, not Bournemouth, um, uh, Forrest did exactly the same thing and beat us. Didn't work for a while, though, did it, when they did it last season? Took some no, time. But, they, to they, but they've bought tons of players in the summer and stuff as well. They, they, you know, they've, they've made as many transfers nearly as we have. You know, and yeah. so to, to still lose to them, you know, like, like when they're doing the exact same thing, I think is in, you know, obviously games are unlucky. Sometimes you just play poorly, things go one way, things go the other. But at the end of the day, that would have been the ultimate test for how we're doing, you know, I mean, and, I, and we were really poor against them. I mean, I, I looked at our bench from our most recent game against Bournemouth. Uh, and when you see the two names of Ronnie Stutter and Alex Matos, do you know who they are? Because I had no idea. They could have sat down next to me and I'd have still been on the wiser. I'd have no idea. Matos was, uh, Matos was at Norwich, wasn't he? Under, was he? Un- well, I genuinely yeah. like did under, not know. I was, I was in, I was like an under 21 unknown. or under 18 or something from, um, from Norwich, we signed him in the summertime, I think, or in the oh, last okay. season sometimes. Fair enough. But I don't, me- I don't know Ronnie Stutter. I don't know. Uh, no, uh, two names that were mentioned in the article, uh, and first is is Nicholas Jackson. The positives are that he, he offers <coughs> pace, positive movement, but lacks the aerial threat. 
However, he's still trying to sort of fit in with the Premier League and the speed of the game. He currently has an XG of 3.3. So as much as he has missed some absolute surefire goals, we all know what we're thinking of right now in our minds. It, it sort of shows improvement on the goal scoring is likely, if not almost certain. Um, I do agree with that line to some level. You know, he kind of re- he reminds me of when I, I cook a lovely Sunday roast, you know, something Berth would love at a carver. You know, you have to allow the food to rest a moment. It needs time and then you can enjoy it. We need to give the players a bit of time and we can enjoy what comes after. Do, are you, do you feel Nicholas Jackson is going to show that XG and put it into goals? I um, I do actually like Nicholas Jackson. I think he's he has been a bit unlucky. He's unlucky against Bournemouth. I know there's a bit of a meme going around about that one shot, which was horrendous. Mm-hmm. But I actually like him. He works really hard and he's actually quite good on the ball. He's rapid, um, puts himself about. And I think unlike Chelsea strikers in the past have been shit he actually <laughs> looks like he, he tries and he looks like he wants to be there and do well and his movement is very good and I do think he will get more goals I'm not going to say he's a 20 goal season striker I don't think he is that but I think he will once he gets one and two three it'll, it'll start start scoring more and more and get more confident I just think at the minute he's just you know had a few misses and that and he's a bit low on confidence. The team's not playing very well. Um, so I think that that's the problem. But I, I do think he will get there. Um, and like some Chelsea strikers have seen in the past, I do, I do think he will get there. And I've been impressed by him. But he's, he's just a bit raw at the minute. Because okay. I think people forget how young he is still. Uh, he is still yeah. quite a young guy. He's about 22. So he's still finding his feet in the Premier League. He's younger League, than Mudrick, so who everyone is also like, happens. you know, who, who everyone lambasts on a daily basis. Yes. So, you know, like to a certain degrees like can you I know it's more about experience than it is about age and stuff for me it's it's that Jackson yeah. he just needs to he reminds me a lot actually of a bit like Gallagher last season uh, in the way that he plays where like it just seems yeah. that, like sometimes he's just trying a bit too hard yeah and like he's just like he's trying to force it where sometimes especially as a striker sometimes you just can't force you just have to keep doing the right things keep making the runs in the channels and that's what he's doing but i think sometimes you know like just with his decision making and stuff he's trying to force it instead of maybe laying the ball off he holds on to it too long you know and i appreciate that you know that he's ambitious and he wants to shoot and he wants to score and he's you know accumulated xg so i'm sure at some point a few will go in but um but yeah. yeah, I just want to see. I, I, I just want, and it's really hard to say it's for about like a twenty-two-year-old. But I just want to see a hint more maturity from him, um, just like, and a bit more wisdom from him, just in the in the final moments to really, you know, and and see what we see a bit more of what we saw in in preseason. And I think that'll come. You know, I think uh, you know, like, once, you, once I got yeah. a lot of players back and things like that, I think he'll be. Uh, I think he'll be a bit more settled, and and things will get a bit better. What are you, what are you thinking, Chris? Um. I think he'd be better after left. Like a Darwin Nunes. I don't see him. I, yeah, I just don't see him. I don't think he. I just don't think he's a number nine. I, I, he's not calm enough in front of goal. He's not good enough in the box. He's really good outside the penalty area, um, receiving the ball, turning, going at players, can dribble in small spaces. But in the box, he is he is pretty shit. Um, he rushes everything in front of goal, like Berth just said. Even in front of goal, when he has a chance, it's 100 miles an hour. He never slows himself down. It's uh, My issue is I can absolutely guarantee over the last... Well, since Diego Costa left, so whenever he left. So since then to now, at some point in every season since then, we have used a line... He's just oh, low on once confidence. Once a few go in, yeah. we, we've said it so often. I just don't understand 
every single striker we have, it's he's low on confidence. We're five games in. How can your confidence go <laughs> after five games? I don't understand. You know what I mean? He had a good preseason. So we've only played five games. How how are you how is your confidence shit after five games? What we are, the issue we have is and Berth touched on this earlier with with Tony. We haven't since Costa signed a striker with the right character to come in and take the burden and accept that I'm not always going to score and that's fine. But when I get my chances, I'll keep believing that I'll keep putting them away. And we haven't had that since Costa. Costa could go two games without a goal. And I never looked at him and went, oh, it's lacking confidence. He'd score in the third. Yeah, well, he also, you know, and, and it's like, assists and I, things like that as well. Uh, you're right. It's, it's exactly, it's, it's uh, but a we just have game, isn't it? Like to a certain degree, but after five games, surely you're not, <laughs> you're not that stressed after five games. Yeah, I'm sick of talking, sick of talking about people's confidence. Again, we're the we're one of the only teams who talk about new signings. We, we do it with new signings. And strikers. Strikers, it's confidence. They're lacking confidence. We say that about them until they leave. And then, and then when they leave, we go, no, it's just shit. Um, and then new signings, it's always they need time. They need time. They need time. He's got to adapt to this and he's got to adapt to that. And he's he's got to adapt to those new boots he's got on. And he's got to adapt to the fact that the lights at Stamford Bridge are slightly brighter than the other clubs he played at. Pew, 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 pew. I just got to being fired here. <laughs> You look at <laughs> Liverpool have rebuilt their whole midfield. No one's talking about McAllister needing time, Slobberslie needing time. They'll come in, they're playing well, and that because that's what you do. That's what you do as a footballer. You have to come in and perform. You cannot keep saying we need time and time and time and time, and you can't do it with six or seven players out of your starting eleven. Of course, you're going to be shit then if everyone's needing time. And I just think. Sometimes I just I, I just think we are overrating the players that we have, and we're we're we almost we're almost trying to will them into being good players when some of them just aren't. But that's the thing that I think Nicholas Jackson. Yeah, do you think is it's not too player. early to say I Nicholas Jackson is? Good. Yeah, I, I I do think with Jackson he has shown enough to suggest that he could be good. But mm, I just, yeah. if if we judge him, he's a bit like yeah. Timo Werner, in my opinion. If you judge him as the, is he mm. going to be a 20 goal a season striker? He will always be shit for us. If he moves out to the left and you start judging him as a second striker, inverted forward, left winger, whatever you want to, you know, label him as, I think he'll be, he'll be good. A bit like, you know, if we judged Werner as a winger, his numbers was actually really good. It's only because we thought he was a 30 goal a season striker. Why everyone thought he was so shit. On Nicholas Jackson still, social media lost their damn minds to see that he'd picked up four yellow cards in just five games so far this season. The majority are due to dissent because in La Liga, you can sort of get away with a bit more. And it kind of blows my mind how overreactionary our officials are in the Premier League. Now, look, I, I don't want a referee being given shit from a player or a manager, but to be booked for just simply turning around saying, for fuck's sake, ref, really, or no way, that, that was outside. Seriously, that just feels a bit ridiculous, you know. That's not why he got the majority of his bookings, though. The majority of his bookings are because it's a new rule this season that you're not allowed to ask the ref to give another player a yellow card, and that's a yellow card offence. And he's done that a few times. I haven't seen that. If he has, fair enough. Because if, to be fair, if I played this season, I can guarantee that the likes of Asperger and James Miller, they wouldn't need to worry about me topping their appearance records. I'd be suspended. He's done it. 
he's done it at least yeah, twice. And, and, and yeah, I think uh, Pochettino has, has spoken to him about it. So uh, I, I'll be honest, I don't want to see it again uh, because he should know now. You may, Like you say, uh, Mikey, on the, on this pod all the time, you know, like one mistake, is, uh, one mistake is a mistake, but you make the same mistake twice, that's a decision. Yeah, so, I, I can see what you mean. I mean, the last game week resulted in a record for players being booked on a single day in the, in the history of the, the competition. I mean, 44... I mean, should a player be booked for acting how Roy Keane or Vieira were to officials? Yes, yes, they should. Uh, should a player be booked? <laughs> should should a player be booked if they get called for offside and turn around and just say how the fuck was that offside? No, for me, I, I would sort of change the tone of my responses. I, I, I mean, if I got booked for that, I'd probably be like, um, "Oh, and Mr. Referee, I do apologise for one's offside. It seems I was called off by a fingernail. But at the end of the 90, I will make sure I wear a boot size smaller for the upcoming fixture to avert such a dreadful situation for us all. That's when he sends you off for being <laughs> yeah, sarcastic. For being, yeah. <laughs> oh, you were a patronising shit. Straight yeah, you'll, be in, you'll be in lippy, second yellow. Bearful know this. A Sunday league game would never finish if less in Sunday league booked <laughs> yeah, people for exactly. some of them. No, Every I, game I would remember, be abandoned. <laughs> I remember a couple of seasons ago, Chris has done a, when I still play for your team. I only played a handful of games. I got booked twice that season. Only ever got two yellow cards. It was that season. Both times it was the same ref. Both times it was because I, I asked him a question both times. And yeah, I remember. Put me for it. And I was just like, what? what? What What? a joke? What? What is this? And we got booked twice. Exactly. <laughs> Mirrored it was. Couldn't oh. believe it. I mean, he might have had some money on that game, mightn't he? You know, how many... I mean, to Bur- be fair... Birth the one to get a booking the in the third minute. The one tackle I did do before I said, what was that for? Was pretty bad. But... <laughs> but still, that's like... the guy who's been stretched off in the background. <laughs> Birth turns around and goes, ref, I barely yeah, touched it, it, him. It, what was that the best for? tackle? Oh, I'll admit, but like I, I, I felt the need to ask him why it was a foul. So, yeah. Oh, right. This, this, the second name was Moises Caicedo, and he's mentioned due to the the eye watering fee that we we paid. I mean, whoa, we we know. Yeah, I mean, he look. He along with obviously he's looking more off the pace than I do the next day after a night out. But fair play. Look, you know, look, he he did. He he conceded the penalty against West Ham. He messed up against Forest for their winning goal. It, but his form at Brighton does show that he's a top player, so I'm not I'm not too worried about him. And one thing that I also took from this article was the open play XG conceded. I was actually shocked to see that Chelsea sit on three dot oh one. You know that puts a second only behind City. So our defense has has been bloody good. You know we haven't conceded many chances at all. And and this side is slowly adapting to the league, and it, it you know it's taking control of the game. And after all, we've we've seen the stats showing that we have the highest. Yes, you know what's happening. You're like, oh no, not that stat. But it's true. We have the highest share of possession in the league at sixty nine dot six percent. So the conclusion seems to be that the stats are that we have a solid defence and our midfield needing just a few tweaks, we could shoot up that table very soon. I mean, has anyone's nerves been eased or are we just sort of thinking Villa 5-0 defeat? I mean, I don't think we beat Villa, but... Oh, uh, no! Really? I I think we've got absolutely no excuse to beat Villa. We have to win. Because they played in Poland 
we record on a Friday. They played in Poland yesterday. Yeah, right? exactly. So, away. So, you know, it's not... So they've got... They've been traveling. Half their mm-hmm. team has been traveling. And, you know, they, they'll have had not much time to actually prepare for, exactly. for playing us on Sunday. We've had a whole week. We yeah. should absolutely be playing them off the pitch. If, no, we, well, look, if, we, look, if we look a bit tired on Sunday, there's something to be concerned about. Look, I, I totally agree that we should be beating Villa on Sunday. Totally agree with that. But the fact is, and this is the problem that we've got as Chelsea fans at the minute, I don't see us beating Villa. I just don't think we're going to beat them. I just think it's got 1-0 or 2-0 Villa written all over this game. I know that's really pessimistic, but I just that's how I'm feeling as a Chelsea fan at the moment. Obviously, you want us to win 3-4-0, but I just don't see it happening. I just want us to win. I, like, and like I say, yeah, like, you know, yes, all the circumstances around it dictates that we at least should have an advantage over Villa. But again, football doesn't necessarily always work that way. You know, you get frustrated and bogged down. Like if they get an early goal or something and then suddenly like sort of shell up and get into a low two banks of four, you know, in a low block and we're just running, banging our heads against the wall against them. We're going to lose 100% because that's exactly how we lost against West Ham. That's how we almost lost against Wimbledon. Um, you know, it's how we lost against Forest as well. You know, so there's a, there's a set game plan on how to beat us and Villa will know it. So it's about not, not letting them and play in that plan and allowing us to be more attacking and free-flowing and to play our football, you know, without having to find a creative spark from somewhere to break down a low block that's never going to happen. I mean, come on, Chris, we're winning against Villa, aren't we? We're winning. Well, my brother's a Villa fan. Um, so I've watched uh, pretty much all their games this season. And they've been playing with a high line. Um, they don't play with a low block. They play with a high line. Um it, it's not working, but they're, they're still doing it. <laughs> um, yeah, they play of a high line and sort of a semi-press. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming they're trying to press, but they're just not very good at it. Um, In my theory, that, is, makes it, that gives us a good chance, right? We've got pace yeah, behind and we're pretty press-resistant as a team, right? You'd think, you'd think that, Ollie. However... Um, <laughs> they're using a semi how, and can't uh, penetrate. Wow. <laughs> How many times since pre-season have you actually seen us counter-attack? I haven't. I haven't been... seen us counter-attack in a league game since like 2017. Exactly. <laughs> and that, you know, I think that's what annoys me. I don't like all the stats. That that really that really pisses me off every every <laughs> season with, with numerous different teams. That really pisses me off. Because Does it you frustrate can... you, Chris? Would you say it annoys you? I would say it annoys me a lot. Uh, it annoys me, you know. <laughs> it's uh, I love that. because I think you can make stats read anything. You can read into stats anything you like. Um, mm-hmm. I I still think we've got the problem of you've just said there how high our possession is, and we've got mm-hmm. so many players who are better suited to not having the ball mm-hmm. and counter attacking. It'd be like if Man United turned around and went, "Oh, we've had eighty percent possession this season. Great, your team <laughs> shit at that." Though. You know, they, they don't want the ball. So that's, I, I, I still think we're stuck in this horrible place where we're playing a style that doesn't necessarily suit the players that we have. Um, I don't like the whole XG conceded and XG, you know, we should have scored this many goals and we, sh- we shouldn't have conceded this many yeah, goals. Yeah, because it was supposed to get better under Potter as well, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. Because we've been down this road before and... Ultimately, you can have all the stats in the world, but there's only one that matters, and it's the score. What was the score? Because nobody's going to, you don't get points for playing well. You only get points for winning. So it's, we're at a point now where 
he's got to find a way to win. Um, and I don't want to hear, I don't want to, you know, lose one nil to Villa having missed a couple of chances and mm. then coming out saying, oh, well, you know, we, we played really well, but, you know, we're just, we're just not getting what we deserve at the minute because that's great. Yeah, it's like make <laughs> you, it what you we need deserve. points eventually. You know, like, you've got to, yeah, you've got to get there somehow, haven't you? Otherwise, we're going to get relegated. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Play I mean, game really well and don't win any win. of them. That's you know? sort of perfect to go to Lion of the Week. I mean, we, we take on Villa, as we know, Sunday, 2 p.m. kickoff. Uh, it was a tough one for me. You know, I, I need to take this seriously because right now I'm struggling on the table if there was a table for keeping score on our line picks. Uh, I've just, um, so of course I've gone for the easy, easiest lock in of ever for line of the week, Nicholas Jackson. Okay. I'm, okay. I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Conor Gallagher. Mm, interesting. Captain Gallagher. I just think I think it'd be brilliant against Villa. I think he'll um, he's the midfield is going to be why we win the game. Um, and I just think the way he's playing at the moment, I, I think you've got to give it him. He, he, Captain he, Gallagher he, sounds like a like a swashbuckling sailor in a in a, like a kids book. You know the, <laughs> the great adventures of Captain he, he Gallagher. Sounds like, oh, wow. he sounds like he should be the front of like a fish fingers package. Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Um, Captain Gallagher, love that. Uh, uh, who have you got, Ollie? Um, I wasn't really sure. I was having a think about it, about who I was going to pick. I'm I'm going to pick someone who I think has come in for a lot of stick recently, but I think has actually played pretty decently since he's come in. I'm going to go with Axel de Zazi. Ooh. Um, I, yeah, I'm going to... He's playing on that right-hand side with, you know, like Gusto and, and Sterling and all of that. I, you know, I'm, I've been quite impressed with a lot of his line breaking passes and stuff. I think he's not been as bad as people have said. I don't think he's been quite as good Agreed. as people, some people have said either. Mm. Um, but I don't know. I just I can see him doing doing something. You know, Villa have quite a few sort of quite physical players, especially in their centre back. So like I could see him like you know using his body to win headers or you know like odd corners or what have you. I just think yeah. he'll do well. Chris, uh, I'm going to go for someone. I'm almost trying to will him into having a, a, a good performance because I think it's going to be important that he does um, Enza uh, if Villa are playing that that high line I think if you can get Enza the ball he's the one who can break that lot, break that high line with his passing um, and he's, he, he's going to have to show us something at some point so yeah, it should fair. be like in theory he's not going to get a game as as useful as this, uh, like since the um, at least since the Liverpool game, where he really sort of like, ran stuff for mm. a lot of the game. So hopefully, yeah. if that's any indication, he should have a really good performance. But uh, yeah, I guess we'll see. Okay, uh, listener questions time, which is becoming a really popular segment, and it's it's delivering yet again. We genuinely appreciate every question you throw in on Instagram, Discord, Twitter. I went to say Facebook then. We don't do that. Uh, right. First up, Julian has asked, why have Villa, Brighton and Newcastle had more successful rebuilds with less money? Um, I'll I'll kick it off here. I feel less scrutiny. You know, you can bed in players with more time because you're not expected to win from day one. You know, the media don't get out the magnifying glass on clubs like Villa and Brighton because they don't drive the clicks that the teams in the top six do. And that's why we're under such scrutiny. I, I feel that's why it is. I, I don't know what you all think. I um, I just think it's better recruitment on their part. I think. I oh think, no! <laughs> um, I just, I just think better, better scouting. Um, they've brought in players that suit how the manager wants to play and, and suit the, their style of play. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I just think that you know buying players for loads of money doesn't always necessarily mean it's a better option than a, a five million pound player. Brighton mm. have proved that. Um, but even you look at Newcastle, they've brought in players like I mean, I think they brought in Dan Byrne. Look how good he's been for them. Nick Pope. Look how good he's been for them. Um, yeah, they've spent money on Gamares and players like that, but. At the same even time, tune out like Almiron and stuff for a bit, exactly, and they've made like Joel Linton into like world beaters. So I think I think the recruitment and the scouting's been better, and that they've bought players and adapted players to suit how their manager wants them to play. Therefore, they've just become a they're, they're a team. They've just all become teams, really good teams. Whereas Chelsea just isn't a team at the moment, and and that's do the you problem. worry though with with someone like Newcastle that if Howe eventually leaves, then you've got a new coach coming in who potentially all the players in the starting lineup aren't really like his players and it's kind of like the situation we were in in well, the past where that, you got then like a patchwork the thing, yeah. kind of thing that, that's the problem you've got that that's Eddie Howe's team now that's how he wants to play take him out and put in I don't know say just Simeone for instance it, it just it, it probably won't work it's probably not going to work so that, that's the risk you've Simeone got mm. <laughs> he would but that's the risk you got like you know it, it, it's but Chelsea works best and has worked best in the past when they do chop and change like that. But yeah, that's some true. But I, like I guess the thing is, is it, is it has an effect over time, which is what we've seen. Yeah, I, exactly. I think, yeah. I think for me, um, th- there's two main differences between us and those teams. Um, one is that none of them were sanctioned and we were. And, you know, like whatever you want to have mm-hmm. to say, that, that did have an effect on things. Um, but I also think as well, those teams came in and had uh, a bit more of a cohesive strategy from day one. You know, mm. I think they had a, a bit more of a plan. Um, I think there's certainly been times where there has been no plan for us, and I don't think that's been the case for them. Mm. What do you think, Chris? Um, I agree with what the lads just said. I, I, I just think it, 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 it's actually quite simple. It's they only sign players that suit what they're doing right now. Um, and most importantly, and this is this is a big been a big bugbear of mine at, at Chelsea for a long time. They sign people who are going to come into the team and play. They don't mm. sign. They don't sign people who. Well, we'll sign him, but is he better than what we've already got? Mm, we're not sure, but it, he'll be around the squad anyway if we need him. They sign people to come in and play. Like you look at DRB at Villa. They signed him. He plays. You know, the, um, Newcastle signed Isaac. He come in. He plays. Bruno, yeah. he come in, he plays. Although, we have Isaac, this, we have Isaac this horrible something for a little while. A little yeah, bit he was, yeah, for a little bit, yeah. Um, but most those teams, what they do is, and I, I don't think it is necessarily just those teams either. I think, I think Liverpool are another good example of it. They only sign people who are going to improve their starting eleven, and the idea is the person who's in the starting eleven now becomes the bench player, the squad player, and the new signing comes in to make your starting eleven better. We don't do that. We just sign a load of players and then try and figure out our best 11 from there. We've got to stop doing that. Look at our best 11 and then say, where can we improve? Let's say we need a better left back. Go and sign a left back then who is better than the one you've got. And when you sign him, he comes in and he plays and that's it. And then whoever was there before goes onto the bench until he goes off form or he comes onto form. And that's how you get a more cohesive rebuild. And we've gone about it the wrong way, where mm. we sign quantity of players over quality. Okay. Um, um, here's, 
just just one last thing on that, just because because Chris is right. Um, so I live in Wales, and and the Welsh rugby team have adopted something from from the All Blacks, uh, a saying from the All Blacks, um, where they said you leave the shirt in a better situation than you found it. Meaning that each player who comes in to take that specific shirt improves that that specific position and that specific shirt before mm. they then move on. And that and that's that's the crux of it. You have to leave the shirt in a better state than you found it. And unfortunately, we've had a lot of players who haven't. Mm. Uh, Bitter Banter Pod said, thoughts on Enzo Fernandez criticism and where do you think Chelsea are going to finish at the end of the season? Um, I, I actually really like Enzo. I, I, I think he's... I think the problem is at the minute, all the teams just not performing. Um, and obviously, he spent a lot of money on him, so a lot of people are highlighting him and, and his flaws, which I get. I do get by I think he's technically probably our best player. As for where we're going to finish, I think we're going to finish eighth. Wow. Yeah. For the first five, I think we're going to finish eighth. I mean, when we did our predictions, I locked in top five, so I'm standing by that. I'll say fifth. Um, you know, in the hope that it comes together. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. At the moment, it's not looking good, is it? Chris is going to say champions, aren't you? Cha- yeah, the championship. Definitely. <laughs> definitely, oh, definitely oh wow. Um, I, I I do think the Enzo criticism, I mean, I don't know. I, I haven't really seen any of it. All I ever see about Enzo is how world-class he is. Um, so I don't, I haven't personally he's seen any. You, Chris, to be honest. So I, <laughs> yeah, I think, I think he is. <laughs> I think he's talking yeah, he could about you and me, Chris. <laughs> but the thing, but, I think he singled out us there. But the thing is, like, you spend that much money on a player, and he does need to start doing more. And my criticism of Enzo has been: everyone said he would be better further forward, and he and hasn't he, been. And he hasn't been. No. Um. So he, we, we've, 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 we, we all said last season he wasn't good deep, and now everyone said he's not good high. So. Where is he good? And if you are if you are a truly talented footballer, which again he is very talented. Te- like Berth said, technically our best player, technically with the ball, but that doesn't equate to success. I'm afraid. You know, plenty of players have been technical and done sod all with it. Um, <laughs> it's if you are truly going to be a world class player, like everyone said he was going to be, you don't need a whole system built around you. You know, mm-hmm. you look at you look at what Bellingham's gone and done at Real Madrid. He's not even playing as a centre mid at Real Madrid anymore. He's gone and played as a false nine, and he's got mm. like five goals in six games and four man of the matches. Yeah, that's but what again, that's, players it, do. It's also that situation where he's surrounded by well beaters, and mm. Enzo isn't. Um, yeah, that I mean that does help too. Um, uh, uh, where we're going to finish though, I, I'm I'm sort of in the, in the ballpark with Berth. I think somewhere oh, no. between eighth and tenth. Right. Uh, this is kind of a Combined question on the final one. Uh, Damien actually asked, at what point do you feel the fans will have had enough of the results and the ownership? And I felt this went quite nicely with the question, lost my mind again, asked on our Discord, which was, how many more managers does the board have to sack before they realise it's not a manager issue, it's an ownership issue? The reason that I ask this is because I can promise you, if it were up to Poch, we wouldn't have all these players under 25 that aren't ready to play at the level Chelsea is expected to play at. I think it's funny that these players are more than good enough to get get results. They are, mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, we, we can't we can't just keep blaming the board. These players are absolutely more than good enough yeah. to get results. Uh, I, I will not have that because, especially against Forest and Bournemouth. Yeah, that, that's 100%. what I mean. Like uh, th- th- we, you've got to stop. 
using the boar as an excuse here. Oh, the boar's not good enough. This wouldn't happen. I, under, yeah, the, boar don't, the boar don't make Jackson miss. You know, no. I, I'm not like... <laughs> yeah. You know, like, uh, there's yeah. got to be some accountability for right. the players just not doing what they're supposed to do. I mean, look, if we sack Pochettino and have another poor season, I'd say that the pressure on the owners would be sky high. You know, right mm. now, Chelsea are sort of like a blind dog in a meat factory. You know, we're, we're all over the place. You know, it's chaotic. You know, we do need the experience. And if you look, I, I was looking back today, actually, on that when the question was put to us. And I thought, I, I want to look back at the ages of squads that have won the title. And so the average age from... I went from 22, 23 seasons back to the 12, 13 campaign. So, yeah, right. I'll go backward from 22, uh, 21, sorry, 21, 22. Uh, City, 27. 2021 was City again, 26.1. Liverpool, 26.6. City, 26.4. City, 26. Chelsea, 27. Leicester, 27.3. Chelsea, 27. City, 27.5. Man United, 27.1. There you go. And Chelsea's current age right now, average, is 23.7. And to be honest, without Thiago Silva, it'd be about 15. Exactly. It, it, yeah. That is exactly <laughs> it. You know, I mean, I want to see in January two signings being made. I want an experienced forward over 26, an experienced leader in defence as well for when Thiago Silva leaves, because he's going to leave. And I would pick, we already touched on him earlier in the show, Ivan Tony, or, and this will probably go, whoo, him. Ollie Watkins, because we need Premier League proven forwards. Both tick that box. And um, I I would disagree with the Ollie Watkins. Definitely Tony, but not Ollie Watkins. I, do, I think why? Watkins. I want to know why. To <laughs> yeah, Ollie, Ollie, Ollie Watkins reasons. does miss a lot of chances, though. Okay. Yeah, for the exact reasons why Ollie okay. Chris just said, because he's exactly like Nicholas Jackson and because he's very rash in front of goal. Okay. But, okay. but I think ultimately, I don't think Pochettino actually will be sacked this season. I think no, I, I bloody come, hope not. Come hell for leather, I think even if, part of that. I, I I agree, but I think mm. even if we are, I think there, there's no way that they'll sack him. Considering that, I just don't, I just don't see it because I think they'll just look even more incompetent if they sack oh, him. Than if they oh yeah, I mean so, for, for the defense side, I did doesn't matter how bad names. we're doing. I think uh, Jose Jimenez or Eden Militao because there's a reason in here. Both have deals expiring in 2025. Both are experienced veterans of the game. That, I've yeah. got Militao. Militao is yeah. a Fofana signing because he's just done his ACL. Uh, yeah, I, I do know what you mean that. I did. It's Yeah, that's a very risky move, isn't it? If we... Uh, yeah. that, that's the that. only thing I would say about that. Otherwise, I, I like the idea, but you never know when they come in. Six months, it's all mm. looking good. And then suddenly, ah, that, oh, that old knee problem comes <laughs> Yeah, my, again, knee, you know? my knee, my uh, knee. Right. Lone Army Carousel time. The game of Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome back. Someone, someone's shooting uh, fires, but last week, pew, you know. Pew, 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 Last week it was blanks, wasn't it? Because, um. I'm sorry, but how was Mesut Ozil not made? Not <laughs> well, he didn't. He didn't. You, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not yeah. sorry to say he didn't Remember make that recount. amount. Mikey, Mikey, Mikey what, can you go back? What do you mean how? <laughs> you know, if you, you either scored 20 goals or you, you scored 19. He obviously didn't score. The answer score. is, is he, he played for Arsenal in like, he played for Arsenal in like their peak banter era. That's right. <laughs> right. The category is winners of PFA Young Player of the Year Award during the Premier League era. That's from 1992. Oh, yeah, oh yes. 1992 to 1993 season. Uh, there are 27 names because 
some have won it twice. And I am very against that. I feel if you've won it once, that's it. You shouldn't be allowed to win it twice. And some of them was about 26 when they won it, remember, lads. It's <laughs> 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 probably fair. Right. Yeah. Uh, we will go, because he lost last week. We'll go Berth. We'll go Ollie. Um... And then we'll go Chris. I'm going to go straight in with uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. Yep. Ollie. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Bukayo Saka. Yep. Most recent. Um, Phil Foden. Yeah. Uh, Sterling. Yep. Fucking hell. Uh, Trent. Yep. Rashford. Uh, oh no, Chris, you've you've dropped out. Rashford. Uh, never, That's I would have I, I, I assumed that Rashford. I mean, I didn't know. I, I just took a guess. I, I assumed Rashford would have won it because you know his PR more than anything. <laughs> I still can't find <laughs> the incorrect uh, answer sound. It, I swear I put it on every time on the soundboard, but it's oh, there. It is. See, I'm just blind. I'm blind. Right. Berth. Um, I'm gonna go with Deli Ali. Yep. Oh, good shot. Uh, Eden Hazard won it, didn't he, in his first season? He right. did indeed. Uh, Rooney's got to have won it at some point, surely. Oh, yes. Uh, Gareth Bale? Yes. Uh, Harry Kane? Yes. Oh, Jack Wilshire. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I'm going to go old school. I'm going to go Michael Owen. Oh, he did indeed. Oh, difficult. Um, Fabregas? Yep. Great shout, Ollie. Yeah, um, trying to think of like who was good when they were young, like 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, has Gerard won it? Gerard's got to have won it, surely. Yeah, you think so? Yes, of course he has. Oh, I was going to say. 2000, 2001, he won it. Yeah, Gerard. Uh, David Beckham? Yes. Yeah. You're still in. You're still in. Um, I don't know. Nicholas Anelka. He did. Can you name the club? Just for fun. Uh, I would have thought Arsenal. Yeah, it was indeed. 98-99. How about that industrious young man, James Milner? Yes. Yes, he did. Wow. He won it at Villa in 2009-2010, which I'm convinced he wasn't young then, but he was. I think he was about 34 that season. <laughs> oh. um, I'm going to go really, really, I'm going to go like proper old school. Uh, Ryan Giggs. Yes, he did. He did indeed. He won yeah, it. Great shout. He won it sometime. Uh, when was it? Uh, he won it back to back in 91, 92, 92, 93. But obviously, the only one that matters is the Premier League era. So, yeah. I'm going to go with uh, Jermaine Defoe. Ah, oh, you're out. That's it. Bertha's uh, won again. So fair. Was, uh... Not a bad show. Yeah. Oh, well done, Bertha. I only had one left as well, to be honest with you. Who did you have? Who was left? left? I'm gonna say Robbie Fowler. That's he the did. Last one. He did indeed. What about yeah. uh, was, um, what about Alan Shearer? No. Was um was Letitia on there? No. He was. Surely. He he won it in eighty nine ninety. Ah. 
Yeah, sorry. Okay, that would have been wrong anyway, the... then. So, you, you missed out Andy Cole. Oh, that's a- poor. Ash- <laughs> Ashley Young. Well, really? Wow. Cra- yeah, Craig Bellamy. Jeez. Harry Kuehl. Uh, Harry Every- Kuehl was really good at one point. Everyone's, he was at one point. He yeah. was. Everyone's favourite World Cup draw presenter, Jermaine Genus. Oh, Kyle, Kyle, Kyle Walker. God. Leroy Sane. Kyle Walker won it. He did. Kyle Walker won it. Whilst at, I am quickly scrolling down my list. Spurs, Spurs in 2011-2012. And everybody, everyone's favourite, West Ham, former Blue and Charlton Athletic player, Scott Parker. Oh, it's a it's a who's who, isn't it? Of of some of some players. Interesting to see. There are some real success stories there, and and some not so much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well. <laughs> yeah. Right, listeners. You're at the end of another episode. So thank you as always for listening to this episode. Uh, treat yourself well. Enjoy the weekend. We're going to be on mon- back on Monday. Go through our winners and losers from the game against Aston Villa. We're going to have loads of winners. We know it. Positivity. Positivity at all times. So until then, that is going to be us signing off. You've been listening to At The Bridge Pod, a Chelsea FC podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram by searching for At The Bridge Pod. And if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, leaving us a review is always appreciated.